Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now we're bringing the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is ready for a great weekend. First off, happy San Diego Comic-Con weekend. It's finally officially back in full person after two plus years away from the event. We've had some great panels already happen over the last couple of days. There's some great stuff happening, on, especially on Saturday, of course, with DC and Marvel, which of course I'll be talking talking about next week, but there's a lot of stuff to be talking about on that front, which I'll be covering in this podcast from the last day or so. I'm also going to be getting into some trailer stuff. Of course, a lot of trending trailers happening both at San Diego Comic-Con and also just some really cool things that are just releasing online to get people excited about the next couple of months. Some great films to look forward to. Also coming out of San Diego Comic-Con, some reactions from the Predator prequel Prey, which got some surprising reviews that I'm going to be talking about on the podcast as well. And a not so surprising, but officially confirmed announcement in terms of some casting news for one of the future Star Wars shows that is set to come out on Disney Plus in the next couple of years. But the first thing that I want to do get, do get into today is talk about a film that is set to come out about a year from now. And that, of course, is the brand new Christopher Nolan film, Oppenheimer. And yesterday we got the first official teaser poster for the film film and this is a movie that I'm really looking forward to again Christopher Nolan to me is my favorite director in the game right now right behind him is Denny Villeneuve they're just some of the most creative different stylistic directors in the game where they focus on great stories but from a technical perspective they really push the, push the boundaries for what you can do of course Nolan is always known for what he can do with an IMAX camera and how he's able to bring spectacle to every one of these films and he's done it with Dunkirk. He did it with Tenet a few years ago, of course, with the Dark Knight trilogy, Memento, Inception. The list goes on and on. And Nolan has become one of those filmmakers where every single one of his films now have become event films, which is why when he was with Warner Brothers, almost every single time that a film would come out for his, it would be put during the summer movie season. And usually you see that for big blockbusters or franchise reboots or sequels. But what Nolan has been able to do is he's been able to take a name for a director and say you want to go see this not because it's based off of something but because this filmmaker is making it and you know that you're going to get something special coming out of that and get your money's worth and so no one now transitioning over from Warner Brothers to Universal is set to come out with this brand new feature Oppenheimer which is about the man Jim Oppen- John Oppenheimer who was one of the people or the architect behind the atom bomb and if you know Nolan and his filmography He's somebody that is very surmount with kind of world war themes and global themes and especially what he did in his film before Tenet in Dunkirk that came out in 2017. He very much depicted this event that happened during World War II. So he's kind of going back to those roots, but it, but knowing Nolan, he's going to be doing something different with it. And, and again, creating a big spectacle, but also telling the story that is very much a true story that it had, glo- of course, global ramifications for the world, for the United States, and really kind of set the path for when we think about nuclear war and and and, and bombs and things like that. And Oppenheimer was one of the people and the architects kind of, of behind that. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Nolan does with this. And we did get our first glimpse at the teaser trailer. 
trailer. And again, it doesn't really give a whole lot of away with the film, but I think it is kind of very telling for the kind of film that we're going to be getting, where it's focusing on one person, whether it's a traditional bi biopic or one singular event, it's going to be focusing on this one person. But again, in terms of the way that Nolan tells his stories, it's going to be on this massive scale. And in the background, there were all these kind of, of, of blasts going on behind it. So it's going to be grand and spectacular in the way that he tells his stories. And it had kind of some of the casting lists on there. Of course, this is one of the most stats casts over the last couple of years. You have Cillian Murphy, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Benny Safdie, the list, uh, Michael Caine, the list goes on and on for the people that are a part of this film. And so, again, nothing a lot is given away in this, but it's nice to know that Universal is starting to just put out little breadcrumbs to get people excited about this film. And, of course, it's going to be led into kind of this big box office battle that I've labeled to be as of right now if both these films come out around the same time this year in 2023 that it'll be the big box office battle of the year where you have both Barbie and Oppenheimer and with Barbie that of course has another A-list cast that has Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Will Ferrell, America Ferreira, so many different people that are involved in that project, Simu Liu and, and it's directed by Greta Gerwig and, and written by Noah Baumbach and that's of course being distributed by Warner Brothers who is of course Nolan's former home and so that's it creates a very different and intriguing film or, or kind of storyline and the crazy thing is that both of these films seem to be on the polar opposites where it seems like Oppenheimer is going to be very much kind of a black and white movie and very dealing with a lot of darker material and we don't know, know so much about Barbie but seeing kind of the set photos and some of the official still images that we've seen from some of the main cast members of this movie it's going to be very kind of poppy and pink and full, full of colors and, and lust and, and, and just very much filled to the brim with just kind of a poppiness that we haven't seen from Greta Gerwig films, but when we talk about Barbie, we're accustomed to kind of seeing that kind of flair within that that line of toys and, and merchandise. So it makes a lot of sense. So there's just so many different things to kind of look at when we look at that July 21st, 2023 weekend. And if, if you needed any kind of other indicator with Oppenheimer, even though we had the official teaser image today, we if you go see Nope this weekend, which is of course the new Jordan Peele film set to hit both theaters, 2D theaters, normal size theaters, but also IMAX theaters as well. If you do go to an IMAX theater, literally right before the movie Nope begins, you'll be introduced to the first kind of minute or so teaser of Oppenheimer. And again, all this is filmed in IMAX. It's gonna probably have a big epic scale. And watching it on an IMAX theater, seeing the trailer for the first time, it, it really delivered on that front. It's gonna be delving into time. And if you know Nolan films, like he, he likes to do on a lot of, of his projects, especially in recent years, he loves to kind of delve into time. And I think Oppenheimer is a film, again, dealing with the, the atomic bomb, very much is within that realm that he likes to, to kind of dive into as well. And it, it's got great sound design. I mean, just from the trailer itself, the, the seats were shaking the theater that I was at. So it's definitely delivering on that epic scale that we know Nolan films to be. And even though it's telling a true story, it's not just going to be a traditional, again, kind of biopic movie 
that we would think that either Dunker was going to be, but clearly wasn't. And when we think about kind of the retelling of a of a figure from the past, you would think that it would kind of be telling this person's full life story. I don't think that's necessarily what we're going to be getting with this movie if Nolan, with Nolan being attached to it and also being a screenwriter on it as well. So it looks awesome. It has the spectacle, the scope, and everything about it. it what's also great is the fact that it, it's great to see that trailers are being kind of given an, an exclusive run in theaters before coming out online. We just got that recently with Avatar The Way of Water. Now this is happening with, with Oppenheimer in front of Nope. I wouldn't be sh- surprised if it comes out sometime next week, the official teaser trailer, because usually when you get the first teaser poster right alongside of it, whether the day of, like op- the, the teaser poster for this film came out, Yesterday, usually you'll get it the day of, or sometimes you'll get it a few days later. So right on the nip and heels of a poster is usually a trailer. So I wouldn't be shocked if on Monday or Tuesday, following the opening weekend of Nope, the official trailer, teaser trailer rather, for this film comes out and everyone's able to see it. But I don't think it's going to be the same when watching it on your laptop or, your, or even your phone. When seeing it on that IMAX screen, I think you fully get kind of what Nolan is really going to kind of go for but i think people are still going to be impressed but if whenever they watch this trailer whether it's on theaters or whenever it appears online so i'm really looking forward to this it's definitely going to be one of my most anticipated for next year like a lot of nolan films are so really looking forward to this one and definitely was impressed by both the teaser poster and also the teaser trailer that came out in theaters this weekend what did you guys think about the teaser poster for oppenheimer are you impressed by it are you not what are you looking forward to with this film. What do you think about the, the the terms of this interesting storyline between Oppenheimer and Barbie? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. Now to move on over to some trending trailers that are happening right now around the world of Hollywood. And the reason for a lot of these trailers right now is, of course, because San Diego Comic-Con is once again fully back and operational in person once again. Again, after the COVID-19 pandemic, the last two years, it's been at home, not a lot of panels, big noteworthy panels have been going on online and so it's kind of taken a little bit of a breather but it's fully back to its normal self almost its normal self in a way that you can do because we're still in the midst of a pandemic but towards the tail end of it but still the fact that we're able to have these events again is a great sign and of course this weekend having the marvel dc panels is what everyone is looking forward to but there are still stuff that happen both on thursday and today friday that get a lot of people excited and one of the things that just recently came out that I think was a big panel that people had circled in these first couple of days was the anticipated panel Hall H panel for the highly anticipated looked at Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power show from Amazon Prime and Amazon Studios that is making a lot of waves in television right now in terms of the fact that it's that it is going to be the most budgeted TV show of all time. No other money has been poured into a show like Amazon has with the Lord of the Rings franchise. They've paid again around 400, 400 million plus of their money for just one season of this show. And if they get a second renewal for, or excuse me, a renewal for a season two, then it'll probably exceed over half a billion dollars. And then when all is said and done, 
overall, I think the idea is to have between four to five seasons of this, if they get all of them greenlit, is that it'll be over a billion dollars that is spent on this show when all is said and done. So a lot of money is being poured into Lord of the Rings. Amazon is looking for their kind of Stranger Things, their Star Wars Marvel that Disney Plus has, or even like a Game of Thrones like HBO has. They're trying to look for that right now, and they're hoping that Lord of the Rings is exactly that. Now, of course, with the Rings of Power, it's not exactly the three Lord of the Rings trilogies. You, of course, don't have Peter Jackson coming back. You don't have the main cast of those films around. It's not even the Hobbit trilogy where you have kind of the main architects like a Peter Jackson or the producers that are involved with it. It's not Warner Brothers. It's a full-on streaming service that is taking over this material and trying to do something different within the works of the one and only J.R.R. Tolkien and telling a story that is even kind of predating, I think, a lot of stuff that maybe even main consumers know about the Lord of the Rings trilogy because with something like The Hobbit, you were able to market it on the fact that it was something that was told, a story that was told within the first few minutes of the first Lord of the Rings film, The Fellowship of the Rings. So that's that was kind of a strategy that if you were putting out the Hobbit trilogy back in the early 2010s, that was kind of a a, a hook that you can market, market for and get people excited about. And of course, returning to Middle-earth, really the only other material that you have with this is that you're returning to the world of Middle-earth and you're trying to invest all this money to make it look as practical as possible while, of course, updating it with all the great VFX that we have out there right now. And so there's a lot of pressure on their show to really deliver right out of the gate and be as big as I'm sure Jeff Bezos and everyone at Amazon is hoping for this one to be, and also in the greater sense of the of the entertainment community. And the last, the marketing has been kind of, not secretive, but it, it hasn't really felt like a full court press until recently with the Lord of the Rings campaign. I mean, we've had magazines Zine covers come out for it. Some trailers have kind of given indicators of what's going on, but we haven't had a massive trailer that really kind of dives into it. Well, that all changed earlier today when Lord of the Rings and the, and the Rings of Power did have their full Hall H Comic Con panel, and they really full on went into the 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 world that they're looking to explore with this. And of course, things that we knew about it before is that it takes place within the Second Age of Middle Earth, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit era take place around the third age of of that world and that era. So this is taking place thousands and thousands of years before any of those, those events even happen. So for the creators, it gives them room to kind of breathe and not paint them in the corner right away of trying to work in all these different kind of connections and making sure everything kind of connects. They have room to breathe a little bit, at least early on, and dive into all these new characters, these new worlds, but some of the characters that are a little bit younger than we see them in the main trilogy and, and main films that have come before. So there's a little bit more to work with here. And this has a, a, a full ensemble cast that uh, seeing the pictures at, at, at Comic-Con are fully there. And and they and Amazon and, and the show really kind of put it out to showcase that it's not just one person leading this show, but it's multiple people that are a part of this project. So you saw that from, from seeing some of the other pictures for what the Hall H was able to accommodate with this show. It seems like there were side screens going on. 
Stephen Colbert, who of course we know from the Late Night Show, it was it is apparently a huge scholar for J.R.R. Tolkien, and there are people that are scholars of his work that know about his his history, know about his work, what it means to him, how he connects to it, and he's also does the same thing with with the Dune world. And I remember when they were doing the exclusive worldwide debut of the first trailer for Dune, it was with Colbert because he's big, uh, uh, such a huge fan of Frank Herbert's work that he knew. How to talk to the to the cast and and really kind of dive into the world and it seems like that's exactly the same thing with Lord of the Rings. So it sounds like the panel went really well. As for the trailer, again, I'm sure it played really well at Hall H and seeing on that kind of big projector with the surround sound was probably epic. And seeing it here, while it, I didn't have those 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 things in place, it still I have to say it was a really really good trailer. And I was somebody who was kind of down a little bit on the last trailer i still enjoyed it but i was looking for a little bit more for some reason and this trailer was able to deliver that for me i mean it really does seem like first off people are going to be asking when they find out about how much the budget for this first season was the big question is does the budget equate to what you see on the screen and just from the three minutes that i saw of this trailer very much so you it definitely has that mixture of practical effects, practical locations, and the workings of visual effects at the same time as well. It definitely has more of a of a Hobbit feeling in, in terms of, of maybe leaning a little bit more VFX and practical than the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but still very much, it, I think it seems like a good mix at this point. I think the, the scope and the scale, it very much is kind of like Game of Thrones in that sense, where we're gonna be following multiple different storylines, kind of going out with all of these characters, whereas with the Lord of the Rings films, it, it very much was focused, well, the, the, the last two films, of course, focused on multiple different storylines but the first film was very much focused on all of the on on one group before they divided up for the final two movies whereas i think this one is going to come right out of the gate and we're going to be exploring all these different areas at once so you very much get that kind of vibe and that feeling the characters look very intriguing we're definitely i think getting some new characters we're getting some new versions of characters that are a little bit younger than than we see them in the the lord of the rings trilogy or the hobbit trilogy and it definitely seems like this is going to be potentially the show of the fall that people are talking about i know that's what amazon wants people to do is they they want this show to be that but again, there's so much content on television that goes out, and the fact that this is going to be competing with the latter half of the first season of House of the Dragon, if that also turns out to be a really good show, A, it's going to be a really interesting battle, and B, it, it's going to be hard for Lord of the Rings to become that buzzed-about show, but we'll see if it's able to to accomplish that. But the, the trailers have looked really good for it so far. I was really impressed by this one. The battles look, again, epic like you would see on kind of a big screen screen level i think some of the just, just the, some of the character relationships look very interesting the mystery that's being set up with this where it seems like it's really kind of focused on sauron and kind of the forging of, of the rings i think that's really where this show is headed right now i think the fact that there's a vision for where they want to take multiple seasons of this down the line is very intriguing and i i, I think this could be a good success for for Amazon, and I think it's going to be a big test for 
the the amount of money that studios invest into shows you know is that amount going to equate to quality tv that feels worth the time that you put into watching the show and paying your your membership for amazon prime i think that's going to be very interesting to see as well but again amazon is going all out for this right now i mean alongside in san diego where i've seen some of the marketing tools for this because outside of of, of the convention center if you kind of just see pictures if you're at san diego there's marketing all across the area around comic-con and it seems like amazon is really putting in the marketing budget for this TV show right now as they should because again this is a show that needs to return some kind of profit at the end of all this and that is going to be not box office sales and receipts where you have a better indication of of if you're going to be able to return a profit or not it's going to be about the eyeballs as it is for all streaming services and how how many eyeballs can you get on your service and how can you sustain them how can you keep them there so i think that's going to be very interesting i i don't know if this is going to be a weekly show it sounds like it is where you watch maybe the first two or three episodes come out at once and then kind of like what they do with the boys a little bit on amazon where you get the first few episodes in one weekend and then in subsequent weekends you get the final few episodes week by week so you build up that buzz and that and that and that and that kind of word of mouth where people are talking about this show so we'll see what happens but i'm really intrigued by the show again i'm still looking more forward to house of the dragon a little bit more than lord of the rings but i am and i am more hopeful about the show and what they're able to do in the end with it and 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 the scope of this and what they're able to provide in this show it's set to come out around labor day weekend september 2nd is the premiere date for the rings of power so are you guys interested in seeing this show did the trailer point you in a way that's more positive maybe more negative or are you still where you were before watching this latest trailer let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts and then staying with the comic-con trailers yesterday was the first hall age panel since 2019 again i keep going back to the fact that comic-con is kind of fully back and of course one of the things that is always attached to comic-con is the hall h panel which is where you want to be that is kind of like if you're watching tennis that is the center court that is where you get all the eyeballs where you get the big the big matchups the prize fights that is where people go to attend and really where they want to get their money and wait on long lines for of course marvel made it well known dc has done it warner brothers it is the place where a lot of the big news comes out from and so usually on thursdays and even fridays sometimes again lord of the rings had their hall h panel but in terms of movies sometimes on thursdays you'll have a big kind of event or 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 a big movie or two or a studio that wants to put out and kind of get out ahead of the the news the the major news cycle that is going to be flooding over the weekend with marvel news and 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 all this other kind of, of content so sometimes you'll get a studio that wants to kind of get ahead of that and this year it wasn't a studio but it was a movie that is set to come out early in 2023 and that of course is dungeons and dragons honor among thieves and it is a 
movie that is based off of the role-playing game that, of course, it was really kind of made well-known due, I think, to a lot of people because of the success of Stranger Things. It has its own kind of fan base like Warcraft does, like a lot of video games do. It has its select group of fans, but in terms of broader pop culture, Stranger Things is what really made it, I think, a a big, big big-time name. And, of course, it is being directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. And if you don't know who those two names are, if you've seen the, the film Game Night with Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, which was a huge surprise a few years ago, was really, really well done. It, it had modest success at the box office. And so they decided to take their talents to the world of Dungeons and Dragons. And, and they are led by an kick-ass cast that is set to appear in this film. You have Chris Pine coming into this one. You have Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and Furious franchise. You have r- rising hot stud from Bridgerton and Ray J. John Page, in which even though he's in The Gray Man this weekend, this is going to be kind of one of his first big-time films that he's going to be a part of in theater since he got that big kind of surgence from the, the the Bridgerton base. And then, of course, you have Justice Smith. You have Sophia Lillis, who was in the It films. And then, of course, the one and only Hugh Grant rounds out the cast for this one. And this was a... I wasn't surprised to hear when this was announced as one of the first Hall H panels because, again, usually you'll get a film or studio like this that wants to get ahead of it. And at the same time, you you want people to become aware of these of these movies. I remember when Warcraft had a San Diego Comic-Con panel and people were really excited about that one, but unfortunately it kind of faltered overall when it finally hit theaters, didn't do well at the box office, didn't do well didn't do well critically. And so it kind of video games have been hitting a little bit of a rough patch and Dungeons and Dragons is not a, a video game, but it's hard for films to kind of turn these around. Now in recent years that have been a lot more success. Uncharted wasn't a mega smash, didn't make 800 to a billion dollars at the box office, but made around four to 500 million dollars, which is a modest hit. Then of course, a few years prior to that, you had something like a Detective Pikachu, but a lot of video game films or properties for the most part has been making its way to to streaming. I mean, of course, The Witcher on, on Netflix has kind of become its own franchise and it works a lot better, I think, on a streaming platform where you have multiple episodes to tell a fully fleshed out story and flesh out the worlds and characters. And with something like Dungeons and Dragons, that's the kind of stuff that you need for it because it's not it's it's dealing with creatures and and different races and and, and worlds and sections of worlds and and all these different territories and, and it's and it's it's tough to do that even in a two and a half hour movie you kind of have to chug along and, and establish these worlds but tell a story get people invested in these characters that maybe don't know them get invested into this world without kind of going too inside the baseball so there's kind of like a, a, a balance that really needs to happen and and I know from hearing about the Hall H panel yesterday that these two that these two guys who are the directors are big fans of of the game. So that's a plus. But hopefully they're not they don't go again too far into making inside the baseball that people are kind of left out of it. And then watching the trailer, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. They're definitely kind of going for a tongue in cheek tone where it's more action adventure comedy than it is kind of full series epic. And I think it fits for the cast that they have involved and for the 
the directors that are working on it, it fits that kind of vibe and that kind of a tone. So when you're just looking at the footage, the VFX, in my opinion, they look kind of up to snuff for what we saw so far. Now, albeit this film is still months away from even hitting theaters, so they probably still have a lot of work to do. But for what they brought to Comic-Con and what they showed audience members and to the worldwide audience online, it shows that it seems like they really put on some good VFX for this this movie, which you have to do in, in telling a fantasy story. But again, the big thing that I have a question about is is not telling like an intricate, complex story, but a story that can make sense to people where, again, it's cool to have Easter eggs, but you don't want to be beating people over the head with Easter eggs and beating them over the head with references that they might not get. But again, you want to find that kind of balance. So hopefully they're able to do that. Again, the action looks really cool. I love Michelle Rodriguez in this. She looks like a badass. Chris Pine just looks like he's, he's having a blast. So does Hugh Grant and everyone else. So in terms of a trailer, it looks like fun. And hopefully it's able to translate into being a fun treasure adventure kind of fantasy film that this can potentially be. And, and hopefully the trailers translate to a, a fun film, maybe not a good film. I don't know if this is going to get good reviews either way, unless it, it just it tanks or unless it just tells this great story that everyone loves. But if it's just a fun, entertaining ride, that's all I can really ask for. And again, so far for this trailer, at least it's giving me that and hopefully it's able to sustain that for however long this film actually is. But it was kind of great to see some of the videos that came out for the Hall H panel where it seems like the entire cast is really energetic about showcasing this to fans and I think being out there on a big stage it just kind of brings this kind of different vibe Chris Pine was into it Michelle Rodriguez was somersaulting all across the, the, the Hall H stage so it definitely seems like everyone's excited to be back in that kind of arena and just kind of showcasing this to the fans and even the directors say that they were on a grueling COVID schedule they shot this around the pandemic and and sometimes you forget what you're shooting this for and they said we shot this for the fans you guys are why we do this and sometimes Sometimes that's a cliche answer, but sometimes I think it does ring true. And and I think for the cast, sure, I'm sure that they would rather be somewhere else. But I think getting to go to a place like that, having that kind of a vibe, there's nowhere else quite like that. And and it is kind of like a sporting event that and it kind of if we're talking about wrestling, Comic-Con is kind of the wrestling environment for movie and TV fans where you get to kind of get all these big, cool announcements and people get hype for all this stuff that's set to come out where you might want to put your hard-earned money to it and if you're a fan of this stuff hopefully get you excited about what's uh, of what's to come and what they're doing with this kind of a movie so Again, for me, the trailer looks fun, looks interesting. I'm still a little iffy that this can be a successful launch for something in the future because I've just seen it fail more times than not, especially with something as kind of complex of, of mythology as Dungeons & Dragons has. So we'll see what happens, but I do have my fingers crossed. I'm holding out hope for it. I want to see all these things succeed, and this is definitely amongst them as well. This is coming out on March 3rd, 2023, so it's right kind of in, in, in a good place kind of transitioning from the winter time to the spring time. So we'll see if it's able to pull off anything on that date. What did you guys think about the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves trailer? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And the final trending trailer that I want to talk about on the podcast today isn't from San Diego Comic-Con and isn't 
a big blockbuster epic, but it is a film that I'm very much looking forward to and could surprise a lot of people in the next couple of months when it hits in September. And that, of course, is the latest trailer from the brand new Olivia Wilde film, Don't Worry Darling, which of course has another awesome cast that stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Gemma Chan, Kiki Lane, Nick Kroll, and the one and only, once again, Chris Pine. And the synopsis of this one reads that Alice and Jack Chambers are a young and happy couple living in the seemingly perfect company town of Victory during the 1950s, which is created and paid for by the mysterious company Jack is working for. Curiosity about the nature of her husband's work on the secret Victory project begins to consume Alice when it leads to cracks in their utopian life as Alice raises tensions within the community during her investigation of the project. And Don't Worry Darling has been a film that ever since, again, I heard about it from Deadline when they announced it to to the casting announcements of Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, even Shia LaBeouf before everything kind of went wrong for him and he had disagreements with Olivia Wilde and that kind of turned into Harry Styles who is playing the contemporary for Florence Pugh as well. I was looking forward to what she was going to be able to do with this. I'm a big fan of what she did in her directorial debut in, in Booksmart and for her to kind of take the leap into this and whenever you have an exciting new young director you want to see what they're going to do with their second film and sometimes some directors could do something different in work that they've already done like with Jordan Peele he went he kind of did the similar thing with from Get Out to Us now two completely different films and both of them still have kind of similarities in kind of the horror psychological thriller vibe but still two distinct films that are that tell two completely different stories but he's able to to create his own place and but sometimes filmmakers want to stretch out a little bit and do something different and I think with Olivia Wilde she really wanted to evolve her directorial techniques with this because with Booksmart it's very much a coming of uh, a coming of age story, kind of in the vein of Sixteen Candles, the 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 Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and it was a fun, low budget comedy, and it had some dramatic moments at the same time. Great cast members, great characters, great laughs, but it seems like she's really taking a big step with this next film, where. I don't know the budget for what Don't Worry Darling is going to be, but I think it's going to be a, a little bit more than what she was able to get with, with Booksmart. And I remember not really knowing a whole lot about this and, and what is Olivia Wilde going to do with this, where it sounds like it's going to be a psychological thriller and it's going to have more horror vibes and, of course, what Booksmart was able to do. But... I, I, I was interested and, and intrigued by it and then we didn't really hear anything about it there was no press about it and then CinemaCon came earlier this year and that's where we got really got our full first details for this film and then a few days later everyone was able to see the trailer that debuted at that convention and, and Olivia Wilde also talked about it where of what of what to expect with this film and I think whenever it comes to artistic directors that have their own style, have their own story to tell, and and, and, their, and kind of their own way about them, they're very much inspired by the past, as as is any artist. And even with something like Jordan Peele this weekend with, with Nope, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it in my review, which is coming out later on this weekend, is that he was very much inspired by a lot of Spielberg films, like Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And with something like 
with like don't worry darling what can what would olivia wilde be inspired by and she said that it's like a mixture of inception meets the truman show in a way and when i heard that i'm like okay interesting i i, I wasn't expecting that one hearing the, the 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 log line for this film or hearing who's going to be part of it i'm like okay that's interesting and then seeing the trailer the first one it, i definitely got those truman show vibes and also in terms of i think her directing style the visuals very much in in the vein of what nolan would do in a film like inception in terms of the way that he would set certain visuals up that looks one way but acts an entirely different way the perception of certain angles is different it very much had that kind of element to the movie or or to the trailer at least and so going into this trailer, I was kind of looking for more to what the story was going to be. It definitely has this mystery thriller aspect to it of, of nothing is as right as it seems in this community. And it just everything clicks with this trailer. I mean, from especially from a directing standpoint, uh, Olivia Wilde is definitely somebody that seems to be kind of upping it in terms of a director where she's really, again, going out there doing something different and really showcasing that as in terms of a directional standpoint i don't think that this film is is going to to falter i think she has it i mean we'll see what happens maybe all the good parts are in the trailer and none of it's in the actual movie we'll see but uh, i have more confidence than even i did going into these trailers for don't worry darling from a directing standpoint the cast looks amazing when, when I heard Florence Pugh was going to be a part of this and the psychological aspects to it, it very much reminded me of what she did with Midsummer. And even though it's a, a completely different role, it has those kind of achings to it where she's playing that kind of uh, the, 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 everything's disturbed around her. She's very much somebody who is has a lot of kind of like anxiety and she's very kind of paranoid and things that are going on for good reason. And she's able to play it so incredibly well. So I got vibes from Midsummer, and it's exactly why I think she would excel in this role. And she's one of the best in the in the business right now. That whatever she's in, I'll go see. And whatever she's in, she'll make even better. And I think she does that with this. Harry Styles, I think for a lot of people, is going to be a big kind of question mark. And this is really kind of his first legitimate acting gig not to say that Dunkirk wasn't legitimate I mean he did stuff in that film but that wasn't relying on dialogue so much with this with with don't worry darling even with my policeman I think we're really gonna see what what stuff Harry Styles is made of as an actor and I gotta say he actually does look good in this I, I believe him in this I see him as this guy named Jack Chambers I don't see just Harry Styles so I'm really looking forward to see what he does seeing Chris Pine kind of play this mel- like a, a, mel- a melancholy or, or Mechlevachian kind of a villain is very interesting I haven't seen him kind of play that role before so I'm excited for him Kiki Lane Gemma Chan I love them as well so seeing them in this is great too the only concern that I have is the story and it's because when you set up this kind of being this thriller is it going to land in terms of the mystery is is it going to to make sense is what the audience is going to see are they going to be able to make sense of the plot that is going to be happening here so I'm re- I really have a lot of hope for this if again if there's one thing it is the story which is written by somebody who who's not Olivia Wilde she's the only one that she's really only directing this one but she is not writing it but the writing for me in this one 
is is the one that I'm I'm really just kind of worrying about a, a little bit when it comes to this movie not performing as well. I do think that it is going to be a film that could surprise a, a lot of people in terms of doing well at the box office. It was Katie Silverman who was writing the script for for this one. She was also part of the writing crew for Booksmart as well. But I think this is one that could do well. I know for a lot of people, a lot of ex- exhibitioners, a lot of people that are inside the track for Hollywood, that September going into October, after the summer movie season, there's not a lot of big blockbusters that will attract audience members, and it's going to be reliant more on these adults-oriented films that are more of kind of counter-programming than the main programming. But it, it's going to be very interesting to see, and I think for Don't Worry Darling, if the reviews are there for this film, I think it, be, it can become one of those things where oh my God, you have to see this new Olivia Wilde film. It, it, it's crazy. It's, it's got a crazy story to it. it. It's telling all these kind of different things. It's got great performances. So if it can get that kind of buzz, I think this could be a sleeper hit for Warner Brothers that wants to make this a, a hit financially, but also wants to make it critically and push it for an award season run as they have announced that it will be debuting alongside its other films in the Venice Film Festival. So Warner Brothers is looking for this to be part of the festival season circuit this year, which usually means when you submit films for the festival circuit, you're trying to get some kind of awards run going for this film. And this one certainly checks off all the boxes for it. I mean, Olivia Wilde is somebody who's, again, an up and coming filmmaker who had a huge critical hit. and, And I think even a huge hit financially. It, it didn't. It didn't break barriers. It didn't do well. It broke barriers. I mean, Libby Wall being uh, one of the rare female directors that we have on scene. We need more of those. But she broke barriers in that sense. But the film didn't break barriers financially. Didn't break any records. Was I think an eh hit in 2019. But people were excited to see what Libby Wall could do. That they want to see what she can do with a little bit more of a budget, a bigger cast, a bigger studio. And so I think that could. They have the confidence in her. They have the confidence in the cast. They have the fact that it's Warner Brothers. They, they think that this could potentially make a run at something. So we'll see if it's able to do that. But this is one that I'm certainly looking forward to in September when it comes out on the 23rd of this year. If you were to ask me right now, I'll make my list of what I think is the most anticipated for September that I have looking forward to, but this would probably be the number one film that I'm looking forward to on that list of September. So we'll see what happens with it, but I've been looking forward to this film. The trailers have not disappointed, and I'm excited to see where this film could go on September 23rd, and even before then, whenever it has its world premiere at the Venice Film Festival sometime in the next month month. What do you guys think about the Don't Worry Darling trailer? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Now moving away from the trendy trailers, I want to kind of talk about going back to San Diego Comic-Con a little bit. It was announced, or not really announced yesterday, but yesterday rather, was the premiere and debut of the first reactions for the next Predator film in that franchise, which is not going to be a sequel, but rather a prequel within the the canon of that franchise, and it's called Prey. And it's a film that takes place around kind of the the native times, the years before kind of civilization is is what we know civilization to be today. And it very much kind of deals with with natives and, and warriors in that sense, where all they had were bow and arrows and no guns or anything like that. And they're dealing with the kind of a, a, a futuristic being 
in this Predator, and it looked very interesting. It, it has a really good, solid cast behind it that's full of up-and-comers that really kind of fit the the world and the the culture of what this movie wants to be. It stars Amber Mint Thunder, Dakota Beavers, and Dane DeLegro, and it is, it, it is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who if you know the film 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was kind of a an underrated film within the Cloverfield kind of franchise. It came out well over a few years ago, and I really enjoyed that film. So hearing him kind of taking on this film was intriguing. And I don't think people thought this film would seeing the trailers for it it's different than i think people thought it was going to be but still looked interesting i think it, it seemed like from the trailers it went back to kind of that brutality that we knew from the first predator film with, with, with of course the one and only arnold schwarzenegger in the 80s and i think this is a a, a film that people were, were looking forward to and excited about it it seems like it was going to kind of be that one of those late summer streaming films that people could kind of check out that is debuting on hulu august 5th and for, other than that i think people were intrigued by it but it would be a fun and then i think people were hoping for a fun predator-like film well yesterday collider did host the world premiere and the exclusive first screening and only screening in theaters for prey and it got better than expected reviews coming out right out of the gate for this film that i was really kind of shocked by what i was hearing about this movie because again i thought it would be modest people would enjoy it but i'm hearing overwhelmingly positive reviews coming out of this film some people even calling it the best predator film of all time even surpassing the original film that is still considered a sci-fi classic to this day and age and so that kind of blew my mind a little bit and these are some of the reviews that are coming out for this film. Coming first over from Perry Nemiroff from Collider, she said, Prey is my favorite Predator movie, coming from someone who's a big fan of the original and also 2010's Predators. Love how the story is a deeply personal journey, one powered by Komochi tradition just as much as it is by Predator spark thrills. And oh my, a Mandarin Mind Thunder is a force in that lead role. The stunt work is phenomenal. Dan Trachtenberg and Jeff Cutter always know just how to frame their Predator. And they've got an A-plus dog performance, all the pets to that pup, and hand clapping for the trainers. Now moving on over to some other other reviews coming out about the film moving on over to Matt Donato from the from NATO bomb and this is what he had to say about the the film when talking about Prey, he says, Prey is indeed the best Predator entry since Predator. All praise to Amber Midthunder, who owns the screen against her alien foe. It's back to the bloody basics of a thrilling hunt that delivers everything I want from a Predator flick, and it's brutally primal glory. And then moving on to Drew Taylor, who said, Prey slays. Danny Trackenberg has crafted a whip-smart reinvention of the franchise and a moving, elegantly photographed coming-of-age tale with buckets of blood and super fun monsters mayhem expect it expected to enjoy but wound up loving it so it just seems like going over more and more of these reviews everyone really was surprised by how much they loved the the direction of this film and what it ended up doing in the end and i think when it comes to films like this in long-standing franchises i think for a lot of people there's a perception that okay you expect it to come in and be what it is where it'll be blood and guts 
some fun, scary elements to it, crazy action, and then that's it. But if you're able to craft a really good story with really good characters and make it a well-done film that if you're trying to, to showcase a community and a group of people and kind of entrench it within that environment, you might be able to really kind of pull something off. And it seems like that's what Trachtenberg was able to do with this movie. So it gets me really excited about the film I wish it was kind of playing in theaters, but I'll still take it on Hulu as well. This could be a big one for the streaming service in the month of August. And again, I think for for August this year specifically, there's really only one film that's coming out with Bullet Train that I think is a big budget film that people are looking forward to. So this could be the, the time right now where streaming services take over for a little bit again, and they might be able to deliver some fun film stuff for people to kind of check out this this August. So I'm really looking forward to it. These reviews, I was shocked to hear how good this film actually sounds like it's going to be. It it, it it heightens my excitement for this, but I don't want to go in too overly excited because again, when I hear reviews like this, I still want to go in and formulate my own thoughts and opinions on it. So hopefully it lives up to this, this word of mouth, but one word of mouth that I'm really, really still excited to hear about that it is as good as it seems to be and even better. So what do you guys think about the reaction? Reactions to Prey so far, the new prequel film from the Predator franchise. Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the San Basel podcast today is journeying out to a galaxy far, far away. And if you're somebody that, like me, has kind of the pulse on some of the news that's going on in Star Wars a little bit and some of the casting news, this one kind of comes as no surprise as it was kind of rumored for a while that this specific person was going to be leading the way for one of the brand new Star Wars Disney Plus shows in the Acolyte, and it has officially been confirmed by Star Wars, according to their Instagram account, that the one and only Amanda Stenberg from The Hate You Give, who played also Rue in The Hunger Games, she has a brand new film coming out that could also be a potential surprise hit this late summer in August with the new A24 film Bodies, 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 and that is, again, Amanda Steinberg, and she is going to be officially playing the lead role in The Acolyte, which is the new, not new film, but the new show from Star Wars that is going to be showrun by Lena Headley, who of course did Russian Doll, and she's been working on the show for a long, long time. And ever since when it was announced at Disney Investor Day in 2020, it's been one of the ones that I've had circled on my calendar for whenever it's set to come out. And it seems like they're now officially going into some of the casting phase and closer to principal photography. So hopefully maybe we get this one closer to the end of 2023 and potentially later on maybe if not earlier in 2024 but again this is no surprise to hear this news because again it's been rumored for a long time so i think people who have heard this news have time to kind of digest it a little bit and overall i'm really happy about this news i think amanda steinberg is somebody is an actress who is late you can label her as an up-and-comer because she's not as well known but hopefully what what i love about the casting for a star wars show or a marvel movie or show even a star wars movie or a star wars show is war movie show as well all the movies and shows from these franchises is really that they're conduits not for already established actors and actresses but they bring in new waves of people and a new era of, of young talent that can make their staple i mean just recently with Miss Marvel and Aman Vellani, that the fact that she's now 
not a superstar, but she's well known within the community. She's, I think, be going to become a household name within the MCU, and hopefully that leads to more jobs for her. And I think for Amanda Stenberg, even though she's done projects throughout her career, obviously she's really known for The Hate You Give, which was a really well done adaptation from, from a young adult novel. And she's done some things here and there, but she really hasn't broken out. And so hopefully something like Star Wars and appearing on the show is able to kind of break her out into the main superstardom and make her an established star because she's a really good performer. And I think for what they could potentially be going with this show and that it's going to be dealing with the dark side and the Sith and dealing more of kind of the gray area of the universe and the gray area of the Force... I think this is a great casting call and she really brings that range and can bring that dramatic heft to this to this kind of a role and I know that Lena Headley wanted to make this more about kind of a female centric role and I think if you're looking for somebody Amandala is that person that can kind of lead the forefront for you so I'm really excited to see what she's going to be able to do I'm just excited in general of what the show is going to be in dealing with the High Republic and the Force and, and detailing more about the Sith and, and we know about the dark side we know about the rule of two I think if you're more in depth about Star Wars you know more about the Sith and the potential of what the Acolyte could bring but I think for more mainstay Star Wars fans I think they would I think it, it's it's an opportunity to learn more about an area that not a lot of people really kind of know about and exploring more of these of this depth that we didn't really know about and exploring a time period that is really kind of untapped before. I think a lot of people that follow Star Wars really want to know what happened before the Phantom Menace and, and really kind of took place within this era where the Jedi were prosperous and they were the keepers of peace and the guardians of the Republic and to really kind of showcase not all of that but also how the Sith rose to what they became to be within the prequel trilogy I think it is an interesting avenue to kind of go into and it's great to kind of go between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy with stuff like Obi-Wan or detailed stuff between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy with stuff like Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Ahsoka but to go back even further like do it, it this is taking place 200 years before the Phantom Menace it's like what Game of Thrones is doing with the House of the Dragon what the Rings of Power is going to do for the Lord of the Rings and taking us back years ago to showcase this this world before all these events actually happen so I think it's it's a really kind of cool market where you can play with all these new different characters all these different worlds and not have to worry about kind of connecting a bunch of stuff and I think that's when when hearing Lena Headley talk about Star Wars and what she wants to do she doesn't want to be connected to the Skywalker stuff and I'm sure if she were to continue to do this stuff would kind of link up in the last few seasons if, the, if this were to go on for a while but in the beginning, you're able to kind of to have a blank canvas and paint it in any, any single way that you really want to do that. And to kind of have one of the first markings be Amanda Stenberg is is really, really exciting. And, I'm, and I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if now that the main force behind your cast has been announced, I would not be surprised if now the avalanche starts to fall and we start hearing more and more about her co-stars and also the supporting cast that'll be a part of this show as well and hopefully within those announcements we also begin to learn about when this will actually be hitting the the streets and beginning to begin to film and go into principal photography and of course hit the stagecraft technology as well because i wouldn't be surprised if they're utilizing
utilizing that to a degree. So what about you guys? Are you guys excited about the iCloud? Are you guys excited about Amanda Stenberg bringing her talents to the Star Wars franchise for this show? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the Podcast Solutions, such as Wrestle Addict Radio, Fetzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out more, go to Canopy Treehouse and use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at FSL Samuel, that's B U S E L S S A M U E L, and also on Facebook at Sam and if you want to check out my YouTube channel, make sure to check it out on and at the Sam Bissell Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening.